What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Outside the Clutch, episode 10. We're uh, we're finally getting this thing rolling. A couple of quick announcements, real quick. Um, we just got registered on Apple Music, on uh, Amazon Music, or Apple Podcasts, I'm sorry. Amazon Music. We are on all platforms now. Freaking excited as hell for that. Um, we are working on a couple of different things, setting up a Patreon page, really thinking about how we want to turn this into something that's more focused on you guys. You guys have been a great part of my life over the last five years. So it's time for me to start giving back. Um, tonight we're going to be doing exactly that by talking to one of the, uh, guys that is trying to bring some innovation to the game here. Um, before we do that, we're going to talk about our sponsor though. So sit back, sit tight and uh, get ready for this good stuff tonight. Here at Outside the Clutch, we're honored to be sponsored by VivTech. Are you ready for innovation? Tired of the same boring product that's been used for 30 years? Ready to give your reptiles and amphibians the UVB they really deserve? Then look no farther than VivTech. Their 3 watt LED bulb provide the UV rays your animals have been missing. With 3 bulbs to fit your pet's climate needs for optimal husbandry, plus a dimmable feature, and it's the only bulb with a 2 year warranty in the industry. So what are you waiting for? Go to VivTechProducts.com today, use code FCLUTCH0322 for 10% off to provide your animals the best care they've ever had all right guys so i'm not gonna keep it very much longer obviously we don't want to talk to the man himself who's doing this uh mr philip from pack racks what's good bro you got me Yo, what's going hey, on there there is. all right yeah. we're having a little it's bit of internet being a, it's issues. being kind of weird it's in and out we'll make it yeah. work man no matter what we'll make it work uh, i'm up so... here in the mountains man Trying to improvise. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to make the dream work, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, man. Um, I know we, we've we talked briefly and we were, we were talking a little bit before this episode uh, about your start or like your thought process. But for those listening right now and those that are going to listen, tell us a little about about you, who you are, and what got you into the industry in the first place. Awesome. Uh, I'm a family guy, like to be home, like to work on projects, not really out adventuring the world or anything. Uh, but I am a builder, an inventor by nature. I've always just kind of had that in me where I just want to make stuff. Um, this paired pretty well with my reptile love you know i've always been into animals uh, i can remember being a kid in south louisiana and my dad had a house that was right on the bayou and every nice. time i was at his place i'd be in the ditch in the bayou you know run around barefoot catching trying to catch whatever uh turtles and anything i can get my hands on um and, you know, that creative nature lended itself to me getting into breeding and starting to make my own racks, 
really just for my own personal use, uh, melamine stuff, you know, whatever. Okay. And I've got over the years, my career was uh, at one point designing ship parts. So like 3D modeling ventilation systems and compressor systems for big off uh, oil field ships. Okay. And uh, so I got a lot of cat experience okay. and the melamine slowly turned into, okay, I'm tired of this material. It doesn't do what I thought it was going to do. I thought about messing with PVC and then quickly figured out that it's not an ideal material either. Uh, it can be difficult to keep clean sometimes. And it, you know, the saggy bottom shelf, the, you know, Whenever right. people tell me, <laughs> uh, somebody sent me a message the other day uh, and was saying that, you know, they were trying to replace their rack. But if the bottom shelf wasn't saggy, I had I would have this many tubs, but I, it is saggy. So I only have this many tubs. And I'm like, you know, I reply with uh, this is the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Mandalorian fan, I see. Yeah. I, the go. first season was freaking awesome. Oh yeah, uh, we haven't actually caught up on the second, but anyways, uh, so yeah, PVC kind of lost its its appeal pretty quickly, and I never even really delved into that, uh, and I just went straight to okay, how do I make metal racks, but okay. not just making metal racks, and I didn't come into it like oh I'm gonna make the best rack ever. My thought was why don't the metal racks on the market have the modularity that the PVC racks have, where you could take a you know, FB5, three FB5s, pop them in there, right. you take them out, and you could put two V, uh, what is it, the V18s or mm -hmm. uh, the V18s. Um, yeah, the 18s. There's a, there's a bunch of different manufacturers that all make them kind of the same. But the gist of it is where you can take a couple small ones out, pop them out, pop in a bigger one. How do you, how do you carry that over to a metal rack system? And then I just in the background for probably 12 months worked out how to make it work nice. and, and did it mostly in, in CAD. So I did a lot of 3d modeling and, you know, looking for collisions, taking the parts in the program and like rotating them and making sure that they would fit through with a heat panel in the way and all this other stuff. And, somehow there's just enough room with the normal setup you know other than my hangers my my frames are basically the same as everybody else's right uh, so then how in that normal setup do you get this piece of plastic to wedge itself in just right to where it doesn't need tools it can be all in one piece and to where you can easily pop it in and out without having to fight with it or whatever, you know, and it, it all just married together perfectly and created this beautiful okay. system where you can take a couple small tubs, pop them out, pop out their hangers and pop in a wider tub and a wider hanger. And, uh, people love it. I've had a few people reach out to me like, man, I had kind of thought of that, but I never did anything with it. And I was like, I don't know how I'm the first one to, to do something with it. It's a, it seems obvious. Obviously, mm. I cranked it up and I did way more than just making it work. 
Uh, I spent a lot of time and energy in perfecting every little detail so that it was strong and so that at the end of the day, it's got as much versatility and usability as possible. Uh, I didn't want it to just be the same with modularity. I wanted it to be as good as I could possibly make it because if the, the if the design is set up in advance before you make the mold, the mold cost doesn't change that much to add a couple little grooves here and there. But mm. those little grooves can make a lot of difference for usability down the road. So spending that year really making it work and making it good uh, didn't end up costing me any different whenever it was time to actually make the product. But as far as what you get, it's going to be significantly better. Okay. But, and yeah, I, one of the things I love about it is like you were saying, the versatility of it. I mean, you're able to kind of switch things out. Uh, one of the biggest things that stood out to me and one of the things you showed me was when you showed that you could actually take the, uh, the ventilation system on a normal rack, right? And that actually clips in. So if you're working hot, so you can literally slide the tub out without yeah. a hot ever yeah. having the opportunity to get out. It's freaking amazing. So if we're going to spend all this time talking about it, I might as well pull oh, one out. I got a couple of them here. I don't have the full frame with me. Uh, I'm up in North Georgia. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to visit uh, a breeder. I'm not going to say who, but uh, a lot of you know his name. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we've got some products with us, not the full frame. And what John was just explaining is that you could actually take this uh, while it's sitting on the frame. And you can take a second hanger, which I thought I had. I guess I don't have it here with me. But you could take another hanger and put it face to face with this one. And you can actually slide the tub straight from one to the other. I wish I had the setup, man. I, I, <laughs> Come I don't on. Feel like I'm Killing me, man. Killing me. Yeah, no, nah, it's all good. I understand, man. I I, it's hard. I've had scheduled uh, this trip up here scheduled for a couple weeks now, and I completely forgot about the fact that they would overlap with what you were with our live stream. Yeah, it's all good, brother. But all I good. owe you one. I owe you one yeah. more. It's all good. With um, the full setup and everything. <laughs> so what you said it took you a year to figure out this design initially and like how you wanted the final product to be? Yeah. Uh, and actually, it I spent a year making it work, making sure it worked, building prototypes. And then at the end of that year, it, well, I spent the last two months working on the uh, getting the patent written up, which it's not fully patented, but it is uh, patent pending. Okay. But I did all that myself, writing it, smart move. Uh, all the artwork and everything for that I did myself. Is our signal good? Yeah, you're good. We got you. I'm not breaking up. Okay. I don't know if they are. Okay, on I, you're train, breaking up possibly. on my end, but okay. Okay. Um, but yes, I spent the last couple of months working on the patent, and then I, as soon as I got that patent submitted, and could say that it's patent pending and protected, I went immediately went public with it and started telling everybody, showing it off. 
I built a website while I was working on the patents. I was building websites so that I could actually send people somewhere to go get some information. Uh, we started taking pre-orders and a lot of excitement ensued. Uh, but in the year since going public, which was, uh, man, was it just last June? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it's like a year. Been, it's been a, a long year. <laughs> it's been a long eight months, nine months. A lot months. of traveling. A lot of traveling. Yes. <laughs> I've done a lot. Uh, well, you should be used to, to it, right? That's that's your primary job. Is yeah, I'm a truck, a truck driver. driver. Yeah. The driving's easy. It's, the, <laughs> it's all the other stuff. Balancing everything all together. <clears throat> that's freaking awesome. Man. I, I so, miss those days a lot, but I don't at the same time. Just You were a truck driver? Yeah, so... I. I did a uh, tow away for about a year. Okay. And it was, it was freaking amazing. I saw the entire United States. I got to meet with some people I never thought I would get to meet with. Uh, it was I, I work regional. I own okay. my own truck. Nice. I work for my parents. My, my dad and stepmom actually own the carrier and I own my truck. I, I'm leased on with them. So, I don't get to pick my own loads or anything like that, uh, but I stay busy. I go home every night, and I make great money. So yeah. can't complain. That's nice. Yeah, that's yeah. the the being home I, every night I part is something I should have figured out. Sleeping in the truck, man, I could not have done it. I I couldn't have done it. Um, I would do it if I needed to to make my to you know to help my family eat, for sure. Right. But aside from that, I couldn't bring myself to be in that truck sleep living in that truck i mean 14 hours a day is a lot so well i mean just even with that like so because they were all brand new trucks because you don't you well unless one breaks down it's still considered new right by the time yeah. you get it to the lot um anything under like i think it's like eight thousand or ten thousand miles they still consider new on a semi hmm. because it has to get to the order so the uh, the front truck will be sold as new still, even though it's putting all the miles on. And then the back two to three trucks have zero miles on them. Oh, you're delivering semis. Yes, I was delivering semis. So like every 150 miles, I would have to stop, tighten up the load, make sure that everything's solid. Yeah, I'm not going to lose crazy. a semi going down the road. I see that um, all the time. And people don't yeah. realize these rigs weigh 14 to 18,000 pounds a piece. So when you've got four or five of those hung on the back of your truck, it's a lot of weight going down the road. Uh, I move. Well, it's containers. a lot of length too that people don't realize. Yeah, like, I and think it's I, a weird load too. Does it does it centipede with you? Yeah, wind sucks. That's all I'm going to say. Wind oh sucks. man, that's that's <laughs> trippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that lo loading that. How do y'all load that? How's that? How's that work? You so you get lifts and you essentially. Um, Oh, so there's equipment to put it up, yeah. and there's you put it up on trailers, like or the uh, the jacks, like the little dollies that okay. you would initially, and then you hook it in, and it links the into the fifth wheel of the truck in fifth front wheel. of it. Yep, that's so and trippy. And you just keep tightening it, or you have um, you have what's called goosenecks, essentially, or Z bars. And it'll go from the fifth wheel extension down onto the front axle. Front axle. The next right. one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, 
it's a lot of fun, man. But it it's a lot of work. And what, like, when you get where you my going, average length is between like seventy to ninety feet. Wow. And yeah, you so have to make ninety me. degree turns in that shit. It's fun. Yeah. So and then what you fly? They fly you back when you yeah, deliver. So I would go to Laredo, Texas, and then I would drive wherever they wanted me to be, and drop off that load. And you, you're essentially an independent contractor still, so it's on your timeline as long as it's done within five days of pickup. Huh. Um. It's and so if you need to stop like midweek because something happened with the family or whatever. You can figure yourself out, do your, uh, what is it? I forget. It's been like two years since I've done it. So I forget exactly what it is, but your reset. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you go back in and you finish out. But so when I was doing it, I was trying to do like a three day trip and then a two day trip. And then I'd fly home after that two day trip. And Hmm. that following Monday, they'd fly me back out to Laredo. And did you, your hub was near your home? So Laredo's like 12 hours from me, 12 ish hours. Driving. Oh, wow. So you were f- so, going there to work. Yeah, I would have so you're to not going home. You're yeah, going I would. F- well, no, I would fly home on my own dime and oh. then they would fly me back out when they were, when I said I was so ready to flying, work again. How many times a week are you flying? Like three between oh going God. home and fly like between That's picking up my flying. first load. Yeah. I would oh, fly wow. from El Paso down to Laredo, pick up the next morning and get my load. I'd drive. <laughs> Most of the time I try to do like Salt Lake City or like Pomona or Sacramento or something that I knew would take like two and a half days max. Yeah. And then that way I could get back in, pick up another load that would take me like two days. And I I tried to go west all the time. I, I did take a couple east, so I got to see the east coast as well. But um. I tried to go west because the weather was a little bit better most of the time, and yeah, I could stop the first night in El Paso. So okay. I'd sleep in my own bed the first night because you weren't allowed oh, to sleep yeah. in the so truck. Try to take your route because they were brand new. Yeah, that's cool. That works out. Yeah. Nice. But uh, yeah, man, it, it was a lot of fun. It's it's definitely a entertaining job. You see a lot of crazy stuff on the road. Um, you deal with. A lot of nice country, some not so nice country. I don't know if you've ever driven the mountain going into Salt Lake City, but I've never from Moab driven. to Salt Lake City is freaking gorgeous. I've never but been it's... further west than than Arlington. That that, that expo that is as day. far west as I've ever been. <laughs> We're gonna have to change that one day, bro. <laughs> yeah, sure. Actually, I'm going okay. to uh, Anaheim in July. So okay. uh, the super show out there, I'll be there. Anybody on the West Coast, want to come check me out? Start I'll be in Vegas. Yeah. I'll be in Vegas uh, in, what is that, September, I think. Mm-hmm. And That's going to be a hard one. I got invited to that one by um, Randy from Dark Cloud. And he was like, if you're going to, if you don't want to come out to Cali for these shows, because I, I just don't like the rules out there. Yeah. He's like, you got to at least do Vegas. And I was like, I don't know. Is if it I the super show you're going wall. to? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll be there. I was like, I, I don't know if I could talk my wife into letting me go to Vegas without her, though. Yeah. I, I can't take three small kids to Vegas. My wife, so our anniversary is coming up, and she was like, well, you know, do you want to go? I, she was talking about either going to Vegas or going, like, it's our 10-year next year. And she's like, do we either go to Vegas or do we go to, like, uh, Key West or something and get, like, a private cabana thing down there? 
So I think we're going to do the private cabana. Okay. But uh, Vegas should be interesting. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So we jumped all over the You're place. Jumping around <laughs> Going back there. to the racks. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you before you realized you wanted to do both reptile and rodents? And then it seems like you're kind of like you make everything for pretty much every reptile that people put in a rack system. But a lot of the stuff that I've seen, I don't know if it's just easier for your transport. It seems like it's more for focused towards like colubrids at the shows. Is there a reason you chose that or is man. it the... calling you out, man? The audio is terrible. Oh no. Ugh. Oh no. What is happening? You want me to try to repeat that? Ah. We might lose him, folks. You're frozen and you sound like a robot. Oh no. You ever want to uh, see someone stressed? all that time. Look at Philip right now. Look at Philip right now. He's super stressed. It's okay. <laughs> there we go. It's coming back. It's coming. Uh, Don't stress out, man. It's coming back. Yeah. All that time we spent BSing about nothing. Right. We no were good. Issues. We were and the good. second we start yeah. talking about the wrecks. Don't talk about business. Don't talk about business. That's not the way it works here. <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah. It seems like you're focused more towards the bullshit. Seems like you're focused more towards colubrids kind of at the shows, even though you make it for everything. So is there is that like in your marketing or is that kind of who you're trying to reach out to to pull towards rack systems? And then why? Um, or well, how long did so... you take to choose like reptiles and rodents because it seems like you jumped into rodents really quick as well. God, the audio's trash. What is going on here? Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> You're solid over here, man. I don't know. So I think it's just your internet. Okay, uh, but you can see me. Yeah, I can see you. I can hear you perfectly. Like I'm not having. Am an I issue. coming? Yeah. Okay, so if you're not having issues, good. Okay, so the the thing with the uh, as far as when did I realize I could do rodents with the rack? I as soon as I started to the original focus was reptiles, obviously. Um, but as soon as I actually started to fully flesh out a working prototype, I immediately realized that that setup could have multiple applications including rodents including uh other animals that need uvb there's a lot of ways we could modify the hanger without going outside of the patent envelope so the patent protects this certain idea uh how much can i work inside of that idea without having to make a whole nother patent um or without going outside of what's protected uh and the the platform is beautiful. This this hanger, this is the only part of the entire system that is patent pending. And while this is what the reptile one looks like, this can look totally different, but still fall into the same category. Uh, and that gives me a lot of freedom to 
to create systems for just about anything. Uh, and that's the goal. Now, as far as um, focusing on colubrids, I don't really feel like I focus on colubrids, but um, in my working prototype, that's most of what's in there. And the, the real focus for colubrids is the fact that they are the most likely to escape. Pythons will almost never get out of a system like this. Uh, I mean, maybe there are some python species that are smarter and know how to make the tub move or something like that. I don't know. Uh, other people probably more experienced with that than me. But um, as far as escape-proof enclosures, uh, your tiny little, you know, hog nose, your rat snakes are prone to escape. And I really wanted to focus on the fact that it is great for ball pythons. It's it basically a, a big brother to the FB5, which a lot of people use religiously for their hatchlings. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than that. It's a great setup. There's a lot of uh, purpose behind the placement of things and the, the dimensions that I chose. Um, but as far as pythons go, they're not getting out of there. I'm not worried about them. I, I wanted to find, I have a setup at home. It's an alpha six, alpha six one. So it's one level, six tubs. And I've got five animals in it right now. I have a, I can go from right to left. I've got a black and white cow king. I have a, um, Kenyan sand boa. I have a albino Nelson's milk snake. I have an albino Western hog nose and I have a blackhead leopard hit pied ball python all in these alpha one tubs. And for the first four of those that I just mentioned, they have a ridiculous amount of space in this tub. Uh, it's the equivalent of like if you had a full-size ball python in a 200-gallon aquarium or something like that. It, they just look so teeny tiny in this tub. But uh, they, the purpose is making sure that they can't get out right. and having a beautiful photogenic animal that looks great in the tub that I can enjoy and use to photograph uh, and show off the versatility of the system. Well, yeah. I really like it too because we're not – even with that hanger, like I, I, we talked about it with the hots, but that hanger system where you could just slide it out. Cause I know a lot of people, uh, I think, it, I think it's Bob Vu that has the separate tub set up, but a lot of people have picked on, picked up onto that for photography. Right. Yeah. And that would set up perfectly because you have a lid. So you just pull the lid away when you're ready to, when yep. you're fully set up versus trying to, keep a snake from escaping the entire time so it's yep. i think it's a brilliant setup man like that's yep. a, a lot of people have a lot of uses like hodgepodge lids out of like you know scrap wood or whatever they could throw together so that they have something to throw over a tub while they're working on the enclosure or cleaning the lid or swapping the lids out or all that stuff and this system just has that all integrated um and then a lot a large part of rearranging animals on a rack is either tearing apart lids and stuff to try to clean them so that you can cleanly move an animal from one location to the other without cross-contaminating anything. Um, or it's 
uh, crawling on the ground and reaching back there and trying to scrub uh, all while having open enclosures, or open tubs sitting there because you, you can't work on uh, the frame without having the tub off of the frame. Right. Um, and then this system just lid, the lid's naturally there. Makes everything that much versatile. And when you're rearranging things, you don't have to sit there and scrub because it can move with its own lid and bounce around the frame without having to uh, fight anything off of the frame or whatever, you know? And you took, like, I think you took a little bit different shape, too, is what I like. Like, it, I don't know, it just looks more uniformed to me. It yeah. might be, a, like, a military thing. I really like the aesthetic of the way the rack looks all together. So, yep. what was what was some thoughts behind that? Like, did you take that into consideration, or is it strictly just, okay, for use, what's going to be most beneficial? So the, the main, provided. as far as the look goes, the main thing I was focusing on, uh, as far as like the symmetry, uh, I wanted to get it where I could either fit six or 12 on a frame. Okay. And the reason for that is because with really the goal was to have 12, because 12 is the golden number for modularity. 12 is the golden number for modularity because with a 12, now, granted, we've got this is the number one. We're also working on a 1.5. So this is five inches wide. The 1.5 would be seven and a half. Then you got a two, which is 10, and a okay. three that's 15, and a four that's 20 inches wide. But all the other dimensions are the same. So it's all the same length and all the same height. Uh, we're going to offer other heights, other depths. In tubs, so we'll have the short versions and deep versions and all that stuff. Those will pair together. But just talking about this average depth, we got a number one, a 1.5, a two, a three, a four, and a six plant. Okay. Uh, so with those sizes, on a uh, a single frame that's six tubs wide, you can fit six number ones, four 1.5s, three twos, two threes. The four is weird. We'll talk about the four. And then a number six that would take up the whole shelf. Okay. Now, the number four, I just recently changed my tubing material. So the actual aluminum tubing to a thicker tube and um, manufacturing these corner connectors myself. Uh, and I did that so that I could increase the tubing thickness because they don't make corner connectors for the tubing thickness that I wanted. So this is 50% stronger now than it was in the prototype phase. Uh, the final product that people will start receiving is going to be significantly stronger. And that's going to add some rigidity to the system, uh, but also that's going to give me the option to build heavier systems and it's going to give me the option to go wider. So ideally, long-term, I would love to see an Alpha 8 that would be eight tubs wide and then you get the modularity where you can hold eight number ones, four number twos, two number fours, and a number eight that would be 40 inches wide, 42 inches wide, something like that, 24 inches long and however deep, nice big boa site, you know, type stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, and that's still in the alpha system. So that's not even talking about the Bravo, which is going to be the same kind of modularity, but a deeper frame, okay. you know. Nice. Got a lot of 
a lot of stuff a lot of stuff playing that's, yeah that's that's a lot of work on one frame that's freaking amazing man yeah and and that and and i've had people ask me why don't you just use you know if it's so expensive to make the molds which it is it's very expensive if it's so expensive to make the molds then why don't you just focus on making the hangers and use tubs from other manufacturers well i would but no one else in any industry has this number of tubs with the same length and the same height with different widths. No one does it. I have dug and dug and dug uh, and tried to find anyone that has that much modularity in a single size category. You'll find, like in Freedom Breeder, you might find uh, two or three tubs that kind of fit into a similar category. They all, they're all the same length. They're all the same depth, but they're different widths. Right. But that's not six. That's not seven different tub sizes that all work in the same system. And I wanted to have this system be as versatile as possible so that in one frame, you could literally keep absolutely anything. Um, the only limitation is the heat tape. The heat tape can go up to 105 degrees safely. Anything below 105 degrees can be kept, will be able to be kept in our system. That's okay. the goal. And obviously, one of the things that uh, I'm excited for is this UVB potential on the racks. Oh, so man. how are you <laughs> going to incorporate that? Like, that's okay. That's a huge thing <laughs> that's so, going to be a game changer. So, I'm not the first person to put UVB on a rack. Okay. But... Uh, the racks that have UVB are basically like wireframe shelves with a tub sitting on it. And then you got about two foot of space and then a UVB bar and then another one on top of that. That's the best you, you would find right now. Um, Ryan McVeigh, your sponsor, Vivtech. That's cool. I didn't realize that they were a sponsor. Here. That's, that's dope. Uh, Ryan is amazing. Erica is amazing. I love them to death. Uh, Vivtech. The, the products they're putting out are absolutely going to change the game. Uh, really, really cool. I can't wait to start building my facility and start accumulating some of their stuff. Uh, there's a lot of things he's working on in the background that I think are going to help me set up my stuff the way I want to in my personal collection. Um, but uh, there's a specific product that he's working on that uh, I will be the first person to have it. Uh, and I absolutely love him for that. Uh, we were neighbors as often as possible. Uh, I, I love talking shop with him and getting his ideas of how he sees the, the future of his business, the future of the industry and where he wants the things to go. It's really, really cool. Uh, his vision for his business and the, the industry. But this one specific product is really freaking cool. And he's going to make it, uh, I'm going to, hopefully the rack stuff takes off because, well, not hopefully, it's going to take off. It's going to. It's just a matter of time. But hopefully it takes off soon enough that I can actually take some of my cash and help him uh, nail that project down Thank really you. well. And I'm not trying to invest in him or anything like that, but uh, we're going to work something out where, I can help him as much as possible to make that a thing uh, as quickly as possible. Well, it benefits you in the long run, so it only makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, 
I don't know that it benefits me. It, it puts me in a whole new category, which is great. Exactly. I want to be, uh, I want to have systems available for as many of the animal industries, animal categories as possible. Uh, but it's going to help him put his lights in Every thousands year. of facilities that otherwise couldn't possibly have UVB. Uh, and I think that UVB is the future for reptiles. I think he's got a lot of science to prove that. And I think that there's big names out there that are starting to pay attention to that, which is great. And they're only going to have one feasible way to get that into their system uh, in a compact format, kind of like, you know, kind of like what I'm doing. I, I know a guy who makes racks who's going to have UVB. So that might, that that might, might help for, you out. Yeah. Yeah. It might help me out, help them out. Whatever. <laughs> hmm. It's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. And I can't wait to have my animals in it. With UVB. Is that going to be like, obviously I don't want you to divulge what you're doing exactly. Right. Because yeah. that would, <laughs> that, that would only I'll tell you after hurt you video. potentially, but like, yeah, <laughs> what, we're, we're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's so basically awesome without having to add any space between the tubs, we will have UVB in every single tub that chooses to have UVB. We'll have a system where you can actually have UVB in one tub and not have it in the tub next to it. Wow. Uh, so it's going to be a very versatile system. It'll be adjustable and all that, uh, no different. And it'll be dialed in to where you could keep, you could keep tortoises, in a, in a rack system in clear tubs where you could see them interact with them. They could have all the enrichment that they need and everything and heat and UVB all in one system, but still be compact and, and functional for a business setting. Hmm. So that's, I mean, that's the best of that's everything. Freaking insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, it's that's nice. pulling it all together. I was yeah. talking about innovation before this and well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're we're it's invading. Awesome. So so oh, the yeah. so the idea behind the typical, you know, compartment shoebox gray tub where, you know, some people walk in and say, "Oh my god, this is cruel whatever." Uh, obviously, it serves a purpose. It it's a niche that's that is needed in order to provide the amount of animals that the public wants, right? It's, it's you, there's no it's not a I don't even want to call it like a necessary evil it's not evil there's no malice or no ill intent behind it it is a functional necessity and beyond that uh, there's so much more potential for us to push the you know how we keep our animals improving their lifestyle and or their their life and their um, you know, making their little worlds better. Uh, so my first focus was to make the practical or the, the, you know, the, the useful tool, which is the gray tub rack, but we plan to use the funds from the sales of this first, you know, our launching point. It was the, I'm trying to think how to word this. It was the most applicable setup i feel like the alpha 610 with 60 hatching tubs can be used by 
a lot of people, right? It's a very versatile system. Uh, so by launching from there, we get a huge market that can help us get going. And then we use those funds to start really pushing the boundaries of how these animals can be kept uh, and reinvesting that money back into, I'm not trying to do this to get rich. I'm, I want to continue to reinvest all the money that we can back into the system and making it better making more tub sizes, uh, giving these animals bigger, deeper, clear tubs so that we can interact with them. Um, I've got a bunch of other ideas that I can't talk about that are going to really change how we keep our animals, uh, multiple bins available per animal, that kind of setup. Um, PVC systems that have tubs that interact with them, like water basins that are interchangeable, that kind of thing. There's a lot of really cool stuff we're working on mm. in the background that I can't really, I don't want to <laughs> spill all the beans, but, we got a lot of cool stuff. And the, the goal is just to keep dumping that cash that we get from sales right back into, okay, what's the next cool thing we can make and how can we continue to push this boundary, but not changing the system so much that you can't continue to use the, you know, this first systems that we're selling 20 years from now, I want you to be able to buy some new alpha thing and just pop it in your old frame. They're all made of aluminum. They're going to outlast all of us. And Hopefully. ideally, ideally, I, you know, 20 years from now, I'm still making upgrades that you can pop yeah. right into your old frame. I mean, so I, I'm going to argue that like technically they should. Right. But I, I do know I have. Well, I know of some people that if it was in there, it might not last Oh than yeah, they do just because of the way they take care of their stuff. Unfortunately, yeah, some people might be a little rough with them. Yeah, you, well, not even that. They just they don't take care of their stuff at all. So yeah, well. um, <laughs> you have those though. You have those in every industry. Yeah, um, well, the tubs might rot. Them. The tubs, the tubs might get gross and unuseful or whatever. But the frame, the, the frame, frame stands strong. Yeah. As long as you don't go monkeying around on it. I mean, have you met my kid? <laughs> no. <I'm just> <laughs> It's bad, but your family guy. Yeah, so I got I got three little ones, and uh, oh, nice. my youngest just turned three on the first. Awesome. And if you're not paying attention to him, he'll go into the pantry, and we got like a double doored pantry. Yep, I'm sounding all bougie and fancy and stuff now, but we got oh, a double yeah. door oh, pantry, pantry with like I think there's like six layers or like oh, six shelves in there. he's up at the top getting the cookies. And he's up at the very top holding <laughs> on. And I'm walking out of my room when I just walked in to grab something real quick. Like I'll be grabbing my phone off the charger or something to walk back out. And he's like, dad, come catch. Oh my God. He, he that boy has no fear. Yeah. And I'm very it. happy about it, but I'm scared to death about it too. <laughs> my youngest just turned four or five. Sorry. Uh, nice. I got two boys. My youngest just turned five and my oldest will be seven in what a week, something like that. Yeah. Nice. They're about, they're two weeks apart. So okay. one just turned five. The other one's about to turn seven. They're both a handful. Uh, I had, I had people ask if I'm going to have more kids. I, I have two boys and a vasectomy. That's, yep. <laughs> I got I got two boys, a girl, and a vasectomy. I'm in the same. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, my daughter and my youngest. So my daughter's the middle child. How old's your oldest? Exactly. My oldest is turning seven in September. Okay, so same age range. Cool. So right around the same. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, they're a year and two weeks apart. Oh wow! Nice. Like, yeah. Two weeks are, away from being Irish mine twins. Are two, mine are two years and two weeks apart. So there you go. There yep. It's <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, man. How do you? Uh, have they been incorporated in this at all? Do you like you my youngest? My young. Okay, so my oldest has autism. He okay. gets excited about stuff like this, about the animals, stuff like that. But uh, with autism, you can easily get overwhelmed. And so they just, he kind of shies away from it typically. My youngest absolutely loves helping me with the animals. He help, he loves helping feed. He loves anything about the animals. Uh, we've got we've got pet rats. We've got axolotls. I've got a Lichianus he loves messing with. Uh, we've got ducks now and chickens and, uh, now we've got those five different or four different new species that I told you about earlier, the Kenyans and the hog nose. Uh, but he, he loves messing with all of it. It, it, I, I see so much passion for the animals, very similar to like I had when I was a kid. So like when I'm going around the yard, I don't know if anybody follows me on TikTok, but I'm always, at least back when it was warm. I find a random bug or something in the yard. I take a video of it, post it on TikTok maybe. Uh, but when I'm doing that, I'm typically going to run over there like, hey, dude, check this out. And he's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And beetles and lizards and whatever. I, I uh, one point I caught a bee and I was just holding the bee, showing him. Uh, but, yeah, I just see that that same love for animals like I had when I was a kid. And no, very little fear. I tried not to let him be afraid of spiders and stuff like that, trying to break those stigmas. Uh, and it's exciting because he really wants to help. And I really see that in the future, there's a good chance he'll be working with me on all this stuff, which is really, really cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. dope. It's so dope. Yeah. I've, I've, I get overwhelmed. Like my, I love my kids to death, but all because yep. I have a very small room. If you can't tell, like <laughs> the end of this rack is the end of the wall. Oh wow, that's the other wall. So I'm in like a ten by ten. I'm in a jail cell right now. Okay, nice. Um, <laughs> I, well, jail cells a little bit smaller, but not much. Yeah, but uh, I'm making well, I don't it even have an actual room anymore in the new house. I I need to build a facility out back for a lot of stuff. So that's yeah, works. that's that's what it's looking like soon um but my wife, anyways you get overwhelmed i guess they yeah so like the three out. kids right there and I'm like i'm trying to work in this small area and then they're trying not kids. to have anybody they're trying back. to jump all over everything they want to open every tub at once they want to see all the animals and they all enjoy them uh yeah my my oldest is the bug person like the yep. others like the spiders and the bugs but he really likes them uh yep. the bigger snakes he's just like i like the little ball pythons like he likes the babies to about 400 grams once they reach that he's like yeah, yeah they're pretty they're cool i'll hold it but i don't want to now my he youngest the little thing he's still fearless yeah he, he wants to go and drop the rat right in front of the biggest female i'm like hold on this, this. 
Just drop it on the corner, please. You're making me nervous. <laughs> yeah, my, my youngest wants. So I I had to finally lock my retics. Um, my youngest wants to just go and open up the retic enclosures oh, all man. the time, and they're both eight foot at this point. So it's just. Oh like, yeah, did I mention? Did I mention that my racks are lockable? <laughs> ah, there you go. Let's Another plug. Let's feature. plug. Let's plug. Uh, hold on, the camera's weird. I do here. like that. There you go. So this is a hanger and a tub locked together. And this also functions on the frame. So you can actually lock the tub to the frame where it can't be slid out and actually can't be removed or anything like that. Uh, permanently affixed with the lock. And the really cool thing, which was not necessarily intentional, is the fact that the lip of the tub actually protects the, the lock to where you couldn't even, if somebody was trying to, if you had this, as, let's say you had my rack as a store display with clear tubs, you could actually have them secured properly. And somebody couldn't come in here and, and get to the... Uh, you can't get it to it. You to can't get it. to that to cut it. There's no way to get to that to cut it. Okay. Which also means, I guess, if you lost the key, you might have... You're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> need a, you need a locksmith to come out to help you get it open. Right. But... Uh, it's a really solid system, and it, and, awesome. it, and I designed it. I actually built it in the real world. I hand built all my prototypes. I don't have any three printer, 3D printers or anything like that. So all my prototyping was done by hand with like plastic sheets cut out with razor blades and super glued together. And I worked out how to make this keyhole so that it was just the right size and the spacing between. Let's see if I could show it. Or you can yeah, see it. it. The spacing between these two holes is just right to where you could use the tiniest little cheap suitcase padlock, the kind you could buy, you know, a dozen for 10 bucks or something like that on Amazon, mm -hmm. all the way up to like a full size legit padlock will fit into the same hole without having to modify it. And that's that's the kind of attention to detail that I, I tried to put into everything I did. Uh, giving people that versatility, that functionality. You could even put just a zip tie if you're just using it to transport the animal to the vet or something like that or to a show. Um, Dude, that makes... Yep. Try to think of everything. That's, yeah, that's an ingenious freaking system, man. Yeah, thanks. Like the, the more you... <laughs> The more you talk about it, the more excited I am about it. I know it doesn't show. It's been a long day. I apologize for that. That's uh, uh, all right. This freaking... like. You're literally covering all the bases. That's yeah, tried to astounding, man. freaking outstanding. And and they How... tried to make it, uh, you know, the best possible plastic I could get my hands on. The the you know the aluminum never gonna rust, and made sure that I got the highest quality, the highest grade of aluminum I could possibly get, the the thickest aluminum I could possibly get. And now I'm bringing the corner connector, the part, the plastic part that you hammer in. Uh, I'm bringing that in house so that I can make it out of the best possible plastic because I think the manufacturer I was getting these from for my prototyping and what I actually intended to sell they make a quality product but just recently it changed by the tiniest amount in size right I think it's like one one hundredth of an inch difference mm. and it changed the way that it fits into the tube right and I don't like that and if I showed you the two parts side by side, there's no way you could see a difference. But I would bet that they actually changed the plastic from the old, uh, they, they changed to a cheaper plastic. 
And the thing with cheaper plastics is they shrink different uh, amounts and you'll actually get a smaller part out of the same mold. And it changes from polycarbonate to polypropylene. It will change about 1%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you need things to fit perfectly, that 1% is a lot. That turn that you're going to get on it though, is what's going to make the difference. Like at the end of the day, if, even if you move, like that's something I have to be wary of, right? Like I, I haven't, it hasn't been that long since I bought this system, but I was talking about it. Like I can't just wheel it through the door. I have to take it apart piece by piece, like level yep. by level. And then once I do that, I have to re put it together on the yep. truck. Nope. Mine and goes right through the door. What if that, yeah. What if that plastic turned, I'd be screwed completely because it'd never go back together. Right. Yep. Let's so we're coming up on an hour. Let's talk about what people probably really want to know. The whole reason they're here, right? And that's price range. Okay. Compared, like you, you have amazing features. I, I freaking love the system, man. Like I, I wish I had known about it before. You're really not that far. Like I'll, I would drive across <laughs> Texas and Louisiana. Yeah. Well, I'll be up. doing shows over there, and, and I'll be bringing uh, inventory with me, so you'll be, yeah. you'll be fine. Heck yeah. And uh, but price range, like everyone. Everyone kind of wants to know, how is this comparable to like your Freedom Breeders or your ARSs? So Freedom Breeder, I kind of put them in their own category. They've been around so long and they're like the, 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 uh, the old empire of rack building. So pricing wise, they kind of do their own thing. But they just recently came out with the Pro Line. Is that what they call mm. it? Something like that. I think they so. just came out with the one where you put it all together yourself. Basically, they created a, a, a kit style setup similar to what ARS has. And um, that pricing brought them back into comparable pricing with me. So me, ARS, and Freedom Breeder all sell our hatchling systems, if you include that pro line, at almost exactly the same cost per tub. Nice. Uh, so what my goal was pricing wise was to be a more versatile system for the same cost. Uh, I didn't want to be cheaper. I, I probably, I, maybe I could be a little cheaper or whatever, but the goal, it wasn't to, to, I want, I don't want to dilute the market or, you know, what we're selling is absolutely worth what we're selling it for. So there's no reason to try to be competitive or whatever. Um, the thing is that uh, I could charge more, very well because I've got a more versatile system, but I don't want to do that. I just want to charge what everybody else is charging. And I really pushed to, it was one of my main focuses while budgeting out the build was how close can I get to what ARS is charging? Because at the time freedom breeder, wasn't even close. Right. They were significantly more. Um, but how close can I get to, ARS's price per tub. So if you take the ARS, uh, what is it, 1065, the hybrid, mm -hmm. um, you divide the total cost, which I'm thinking is probably like 20 something, 2600, something like that for 60 tubs, something like that. You divide that by the 65 tubs, it comes out to, I think, 40 bucks a tub or something like that, 39 something. And that was our goal. Try to try to be comparable to that. So now my system, you buy 60 tubs, it's 2280. And I don't know, you have a computer in front of you? I do. 
Yeah, do 2280 oh. divided by 60. What's the cost per tip? Should be 39 something. 2280 divided by 60. 2280 divided by 60. You're looking at 38 exactly. Yep. There you go. Boom. That's and then that was always the goal, just to stay comparable in your price per tub. Now, granted, you could you could build my system 10 feet tall, and it costs four thousand uh, dollars, uh, or you can buy just one level for I think two or three hundred bucks, and fit that out with whatever tubs you want. Uh, so we go from hobby level. You could literally have pets in one of my setups, all the way up to full-size breeder uh, enclosures and you can actually build the system level by level and there's no penalty for doing that so i know ars for sure if you build your level your system level by level you end up paying more for a full setup Hmm. Um, but i made a point to charge exactly the same for 10 individual levels or a 10 level system all at once. So there's no penalty to build at your own pace. You got a, you got tubs that can grow with your animals and you got a frame that can grow with your collection. Uh, so there's, you know, encouragement to, to have that professional look, a clean, healthy environment for your animals, uh, but also be able to grow it into a full business if you chose to, you know? Okay. What's your lead time on production? So like- the alpha one tubs are on their way. They will be here, I'm being told, 40, 50 days, but I'm, I'm expecting to have them in hand and ready to ship in two months. That's the goal. Okay. But they are made. They exist. They're on their way. A bunch of them are already sold. So if anyone wants to make sure they have some in this first shipment, you may want to jump on it because uh, we're about halfway through that first order as – uh, being sold already uh, and the goal with this first round is to uh, receive the alpha ones sell as many as we can or sell them all take all the money and then buy more the next round you know uh, so every time we place an order on what we want to double the size of the order would be ideal and then hopefully in the next couple months of doing that we'll end up with enough extra money to our profits to place another big order and move forward with the other tub sizes. So the number two, the number three, the 1.5s. Um, and then we're another one we're really focusing on is the, the one alpha one short, which would be the same hanger, same exact hanger, but with the tub that's two inches shorter depth wise which is okay. almost exactly the same as your FB5s. Okay. So when when you bring everything in, what are you what are you estimating like the manufacturing time for them to from time the of order to time it's shipped? Um you talking about me to package it and get it to them or are you talking about like Yeah, essentially. From- so like when you when you order from ARS or Okay, so right, you're at like a 12 week wait time. Right, how's it work for you? So right now, I'm having to order it from the factory, get it shipped to me, process it, ship it out to y'all. 
uh, that's taken months and months, right? Uh, the goal is that we're going to continue to reinvest the profits in more on-hand inventory over and over and over again for at least the first year so that we get to a point where we have so much on-hand inventory that we can keep up with demand. Uh, and I'm going to keep doing that until I can keep up with demand. Uh, I, I, I don't care how big of a warehouse I need. I don't care how much that equates to as far as on-hand inventory. I'm going to keep buying until you can place your order. And that same day, my helper is putting it in a box and sending you a okay. notification that you have a shipping, uh, you got a, sh a shipping tracking number already, you know? Uh, I want to be the, really? the Amazon of rack delivery. That's the mentality to have, man. That's freaking yeah. outstanding. And, yeah. I, and the thing is, is uh, honestly, that's the one thing that ARS and Freedom Breeder, uh, that I don't really understand their business model, you know, and I, I don't know them on that level and I don't fully understand all the inner workings of their specific businesses, but I know from the outside looking in, you know, that the demand's there, you know, that no matter how much you produce, it's selling, you can't keep up. So right now we can say, I can't keep up because of COVID, right. you know, there's shipping delays, there's material shortages. There's all these other things going on. The demand is going up. The workforce is going down. There's so many facets to this new problem or this new environment for business. But even prior to that, they always had a lead time. They always had this multiple week lead time. Now for Freedom Breeder, they're custom manufacturing these racks in-house. There's obviously limits to how big of a facility you could possibly make to keep up with that demand. So I understand their their holdback or their uh, their difficulty keeping up. But ARS being in my category where I will be cutting my tubing in-house, but I'm only going to have a couple different tube sizes. So it's not like it's all that complicated to keep up with. Um, and then the rest of it's just keeping up with parts. So ARS, they have all their stuff manufactured. They're not building anything in-house. They're just putting it in boxes. So the question is, how do you not have enough on-hand inventory? To keep up when you know you're always going to have more and more demand uh, uh, and i think that's just not investing in that on-hand inventory i think that's their main uh shortcoming with keeping up with the demand is just not putting the money where it, where it belongs and that's in the warehouse um I'm, that's our goal is to just to beat them there uh as far as if you need it today or you need it three days from now, I can two day it to you or you could pay extra and have it expedited. I can overnight your overnight rack <laughs> and it's all going to be boxed. You know, yeah. uh, it's all going to be flat packed and put in boxes that weigh less than, I think like the heaviest box we're going to ship is going to be like 30 pounds or 40 pounds, something like that. So, and it's not a very big box. It's manageable. You can carry, you can carry a whole rack at, Alpha six. So you're gonna send the alphas without having to do freight shipping. Yeah, that's yep. freaking outstanding. I can two day. I can two day UPS ground them to you. <laughs> Jesus. So there's uh, being able to flat pack this stuff is really cool. The aluminum cuts back on the cost significantly. It weighs way less than the stainless steel or the uh, coated 
steel, whatever ARS is using now. But. Okay. I like it, man. So quick question. I know you're, you're there with family. I'm a family man myself. I don't want yep. to keep too, too much of your time. Ah, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm here till you're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. I could go. <laughs> There's times where I go way longer than I think I could go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, me and Billy, me and Billy did a live stream. We, of course, he hasn't done a live stream all year long, I don't think. Uh, mutation creation. Yeah, um, he's been he's been dealing with his stuff up there. He's doing a lot better though, from what yeah, I yeah, he's got he's got it going on. He's getting he's getting back to normal, which is good. Uh, but the live stream me and him did, I think we went like three hours or something like that. It, <laughs> we got I'll, the bullshit. We had a great time, but it went on forever. <laughs> I'll never live it down up until I think last year. I think I had the longest reptile podcast or like live stream, whatever you wanted to call it at the time. Um, I went for five hours with Sean Bradley because of a dare with Brian Cusco. Oh, wow. And he was like, you guys won't go five hours. And we were already five minutes in. So it went five (laughs) hours and five minutes. And I was like, all right, it's like two o'clock in the morning, my time. I need to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why true. people were still up at that point i don't know but they wanted to listen to it. it it was great i mean i still go back and listen to parts i really need to clip it apart like five hours there's just a wealth of knowledge put out in it but yeah i mean the, the thing is with this industry and with the what we're all working on yeah. there's we, we could sleep. all talk for for days about this stuff exactly. yeah which is why Good the pod, the live streams are always so engaging and fun even though you know, everybody's doing it, but it's still uh, it's still engaging and fun because we all have different perspectives. We're all working with different projects. We all have uh, things that we're passionate about that we can share with other people, and it's fun. Okay, so obviously you're you're trying to better the industry. So, yep. what would be some advice that you would want to? give someone just coming into the industry with your thought process being obviously to not leave it the way it is and to continuously better it. Yeah. So, uh, first tip, don't get your advice from Facebook and don't ask anyone anything on Facebook. That's basically, that's (laughs) unless you want to get roasted. Stay away from Facebook. I don't know what the hell is wrong with people on Facebook, man. Jesus. I love it, bro. I I love it. Like (laughs) that that's my comedic relief every day. Yeah. So but as as far as uh improving the the world that that we get to enjoy. I mean, we're we're part of such a really cool community. If you're new here uh and you've made it an hour and six minutes into this podcast, congratulations. You made it. We're proud of you. Uh but no, we we all get to do some really cool stuff with some really cool animals. Even, I mean, uh, Justin Kabilka was talking about this, I think at Tinley, uh, just normal ball pythons. Like even the absolute basic, most basic animals are beautiful and amazing. And the fact that we get to enjoy them in our homes is really freaking cool. Uh, and they deserve the best that we can give them. Now, granted, like I was saying earlier, in some settings, we have to give them a practical amount of space and a practical amount of uh, a practical environment so that it can be maintained and kept clean and all these things. Uh, but 
there's always opportunity to give them more. Now, with ball pythons, giving them more isn't always good either. So there's right. balance to this thing. Uh, right. You know, you can't put them in a 200-gallon aquarium and expect them to live a long, happy life uh, like they would in the wild because we can't exactly replicate the wild in a way that's help, healthy or beneficial to them. So uh, it's, it's this dancing act of not giving them what we think they need but giving them what they actually thrive in uh, and is a decent setup that you can actually continue to maintain and keep up and not drive yourself nuts trying to do that. Um, That's one of those things too. I think, I think it's how much you want to put into it. Cause technically with the features that you're bringing in, like, I, I don't know why I didn't, I'm going back to the UVB. Sorry. I can't, I can't help it. Like that's, that's kind of where my passion is right now. Like, obviously that's why Ryan and Erica trusted me to yeah. be a part of the team. Right. Um, you could set up bioactive interact system. Like that's, if you yep. really wanted to, you can have a bioactive setup in every tub now. Yep. If you're willing to maintain it, that is freaking amazing. Yep. And you got to keep that humidity up. <laughs> Don't let them, them, uh, isopods dry out they don't like they don't like that but uh yeah i i think as far as innovation goes uh find that thing that you're passionate about find that thing that really gets your gears going and try to be different you know push the boundaries don't do what everybody else is doing i've consistently done that in my own world and you know you're not necessarily going to turn everything into a business. Don't try to crank a dollar out of everything you're doing. Don't, if it's your hobby and you enjoy it, then it doesn't have to become a business. It can sustain itself. It can still be fun, uh, but you don't have to, you know, try to make it into some million dollar industry or whatever. Uh, and then, the, the real root of that, the, the problem with that, that drive to make it something huge is that it causes us to do things too quickly. And for the animals, that's not good. It's not all, it's, it's almost not, it's almost never good to do things too quickly for the animals. So scaling up, adding new animals into your, into your collection, um, and, uh, doing that at the wrong speed, is more likely to introduce bacteria and viruses and all these other things. And at the same time, you're putting all kinds of extra stress on yourself. Uh, it's much better to pace yourself, learn as you go, add a little bit by little bit. And uh, I think that this hobby can be intoxicating. Oh, yeah. People can Absolutely. get so quickly wrapped up into it and trying to tame that just a little bit, you know, uh, are, you know, it's like the, the wife that doesn't want to let you keep buying new snakes or whatever. In reality, we should be the responsible party and right. don't bother people in market North market. If you're not ready to, to, if you're not, not even just financially, but physically, if you're not ready to push your collection further, look, don't message them. Don't ask questions. They're busy. <laughs> They're very busy doing a lot of other things, uh, loving and enjoying their own animals and enclosures and, whatever but i think that's one of the hard things though like that's 
Because what brings, you got to think about what brings a lot of us in, especially if you're not even middle-aged, but like young adults or things like, even teenagers at this point. Like, I don't know how many people, when you talk to them, they say, oh, I, I wanted to get into the industry because of Brian Barczyk or because of Miguel or because of someone that they saw as an influencer and all they see is, okay, they have hundreds of animals upwards of or potentially thousands of animals depending on who you are and they're able to maintain it. Why wouldn't I be able to maintain it? Not realizing the entire system that's behind them, how long they've been doing it, things of that nature. Right. And it's, you get up to just a hundred animals and so it's a handful of maintain. Yep. Sure. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I've been (laughs) kind of on the fence on that myself, you know, like I, I know I handle what I have now and I want to grow, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, you can function it. How big do you really want to make this? And it's, it's, so I've decided it's at that level, you got to decide. So know. were you around when I had the Nido situation? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? When I was pack pythons, mm-hmm. right? So pack pythons still a thing. Uh, but I just kind of switched my branding over for, you know, to utilize the, following i already had and just kind of switched it over to pack racks people familiar with me whatever but long term hopefully sometime next year we're going to start building a facility on my property and i want to create a python arc so i want to collect 1.1 of as many species of python as i can find wild type no mutations all just clean genetics clean localities and i want to collect as many as i can um, and, uh, that is not going to, once I get to a point where I basically have everything, it's not like I'm going to constantly be bringing new animals in or whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll continue to breed, but the focus is shifting from being a ball, a Python breeder to being a Python keeper that will also breed because it's fun. And it's a, it's like, it, an exciting part of keeping these animals, seeing them uh, incubating the animals and incubating the eggs and, and uh, getting the new hatchlings and all that stuff. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, well, it's, it's allowing them to live their full life cycle, essentially. But like the, you get the, to witness the entire life yep, cycle. You're, in, you're enjoying their, their wild behavior in the convenience of your own home really freaking cool it's you know animal planted in my backyard uh but the cool thing about this python arc is that effectively once i've collected everything i'm done and then i can just enjoy those animals i don't have to constantly be cycling animals in and out i'm not doing the rat race of genetics and i'll still keep some cool genetic animal you know ball pythons whatever i'm sure i'll have racks full of them at some point but the initial focus is just going to be getting back to my roots of just enjoying my animals, not feeling pressured to, to scale up or any of that stuff and just kind of pushing that back and saying, okay, I can have fun and it can maintain itself or whatever. Uh, but the, the real goal is just to be able to enjoy the animals again. So. Thank you. That's freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Really like that. And we'll uh, see what else I get to collect. I really want a, a monitor. I don't know if my wife's gonna let me have that. She won't let me have an emu. I want an emu. She won't let me get an emu. Thanks up with that. There's a, there's a guy here that uh, 
breeds emus and he's like you want an egg and i was like no they're adorable have you seen the babies they are they're freaking awesome and i love them your friends with Brittany gobble yeah yeah uh, well, they, I play with this dude's babies all the time. I just like honestly, I should shoot a lot of the stuff I do over there. I just don't have to yeah. do it. There, I had an emu in Louisiana before we moved out here to Georgia, and her name was Jeannie. We actually bought a house and inherited that emu, and she had been hand raised in that house that was out in the yard. But she was a sweetheart, and she was in love with me. So, like, and it if you ask your buddy. Uh, he he may know this, uh, but female emus typically will not lay eggs on their own unless there's a mate present. And apparently she thought I was flirting with her. So she started laying eggs for me, which was really cool. Uh, but I would go out there and I'd boom with her. They go. <laughs> they do this beat, deep drum noise. Um, and I'd go out there and I'd slap her on the butt and she would sit down. And I, I'm, that may be some kind of mate, mating thing. I don't know what was going on there. She might have thought of, <laughs> but she basically, I'd pat her on the butt. She'd sit on the ground, and I could just sit there and pet her on the head and hang out with her, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't care. I mean, it was really freaking cool. Emus are awesome. I love emus. My wife, uh, so she grew up in birds. Um, her, I believe it was her aunt had a bunch of parakeets and like smaller parrots that they used to breed all the time when she was growing up and so she's used to that and she's she's dead set now she's like you have all these reptiles i just want to get it into birds again i was like oh man uh we have a cat <laughs> yeah so that okay you, you're uh my the snakes i had right i got to the yeah. point where we had i think a, up to 90 at some point and my wife begged the whole time, like, why, do, why can't, why can you have this many snakes and I can't have a dog? And I was like, you have no idea how much easier it is to keep up these snakes than it, to have to deal with a dog 24 seven, right? You go on vacation, you got to find a place to keep the dog. I go on vacation. These snakes can sit for a long time unattended. And they'll be totally content. And when I come back, they'll be like, oh, you're bothering me. What are you doing? <laughs> Leave me alone. It's totally different. The snakes don't piss on the couch. They don't chew the furniture. They don't bark at the neighbors. They don't, none of that. Uh, uh, reptiles are amazing. You, the fact that you could have a hundred so of something easier. in your house and no one, you know, you can't even tell from the next room over. Totally, totally different category from any other animal, any other pet, period. It's it's almost it's it's more work than a goldfish. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as like the visibility of it or the, you know, the attention it needs when you're going on vacation, right. especially it's basically a goldfish. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm not against it. She has a so she has a dog. She has a cat. Yeah. The thing I'm worried about is like, so we've had to we move. We did eventually get a dog, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they always win, bro. Yeah. The, the women always win. I know I'm going to have an African gray in my house at some point. Wow. Potentially going to have a macaw or something in my house because she, she loves the giant parrots too. And I was like, yeah, it's coming eventually. Yeah. I love Conyers. Uh, 
I'm gonna have to do like an aviary outside after we move or something like that. But yeah, it's uh, I was just like, we we've had a hard enough time keeping our crested geckos alive with her cat. That oh wow, it so the cat has figured out that if it lifts the bottom of the door, the door pops open. So while we're sleeping at night, she pops. She's harassing our the reptiles. Bedroom door open. Oh, and crap. she knows where the crested gecko's enclosure is, and she'll go there and she'll start patting on it and get them to jump around and stuff. And then you hear him freak out, and I'm like, "Damn it, come here, cat!" Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, after I like two or three times of getting yelled at for the night, she gives up. But she goes like, "That's a whole nother story on why you should not let your cats outside." But, yeah, I remember being yeah. a kid and having a betta fish that my cat slowly drank the water out of so that it could harass the fish more and more. <laughs> They're evil, man. Like yeah. I, I, I love that cat. I, it came from my mom, but my mom was one of those people. Like she would let it out at night and it'd come in and I love her. I, I talked to her about, it. I was like, you really shouldn't be doing that. But, uh, she, my wife, my wife's here. She doesn't want to be on the podcast. Come on. Huh? She's like, come on, you've been on here for an hour now. Uh, you all right? <laughs> Did you shower? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> She's all freshened up, ready for bed. Are the kids asleep? Nice. Kids are asleep. Mama's showered. Past it. I'm going to have to go do that once we get off of here. I got The youngest will not go to bed without me tucking nice. him in. I have to. He's uh, we didn't bathe him tonight because we're at family's house and I didn't feel like fooling with it. But. Uh, typically at home every night I bathe the boys and then when I, I pick them up with their towel and I, I grab it by the four corners and I will swing them in the towel and spin it around and do all kinds of crazy stuff and uh, I actually got the idea because my oldest autistic and they like being like enclosed mm -hmm. so we have like this old swing that's called like a cocoon and it's like made to kind of like hug around them and for them to swing in. So I tried replicating that one night and it caught on and now they make me do it every freaking day. They will not get out of the tub until daddy comes swing them. That's freaking and, awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's my nightly ritual. Okay. Well guys, do you want to reach out? Like I, I'm super excited to see all these products come out. Yeah. Um, sure. How do we get a hold of you? How do we place our orders? How do we uh, throw, throw that cash at you, man? Yeah, packracks.com is where we're taking all our pre-orders. Uh, that is P-A-C-R-A-C-K-S.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. OnlyFans coming soon. Feet you want to see my racks? Feet picks only. You want to see my racks and my balls? There you go. They post some private <laughs> pictures there. Uh, but no, I'm available. My phone number's everywhere. You can you can text okay. me. You can call me. Whatever. I'm a truck driver, so I'm on the road 90 hours a week. You can call me whenever, and we can bullshit for an hour. I don't care. Uh, I get calls all the time from just random people asking questions about the racks, talking about snakes, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I'm available. I try to be available. And that may not last. I, this thing could scale up pretty quickly. So my time availability may change. 
uh, but hopefully uh, I won't be driving the truck for very long. We'll see. Um, the goal is to actually, I own that truck. So the goal is to eventually keep it and use it to go to shows, take my semi, awesome, get a trailer. I want awesome. to get it all wrapped to the black and right here, that <laughs> black with that logo. Uh, I want to get that wrapped around the whole semi. Uh, so when you pull up in Arlington or Tinley or whatever, I want to be, I want that parked right in the middle of the parking lot. You can't miss it. And the goal is to have it to where I bring inventory to the show, not that's pre-sold. I'll bring that too, but I want to have extra. I want to have on-hand inventory where you can go buy something in the show, see it at my display, and I give you a ticket and say, okay, go talk to John. He's out of the truck, and he'll he'll hook you up with whatever. Uh, and then you bring oh, your yeah. ticket to John. Not John Feely, the other John. Uh, <laughs> by the way, my dad, uh, earlier I told my dad, that I was, I had an interview with Jay Feely, and he's like Jay Feely. He's like the the kicker for Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> and I was like, I don't think so. Maybe let me look this up. Uh, uh, <laughs> you weren't in football, were you? Nah, never, never, never. Okay, good. Uh, I enjoyed too many other activities coming out of high school, so I couldn't yeah. focus for sports. Yeah, yeah, me either. But now he said that, and I was like, wait, hold up. <laughs> Anyway. It's spelled different. I yeah, think. he's F E. I think it's F E. Yeah, yeah. We looked it up there, as soon as he said it. I looked it up. It's but like A J Feely, or not to be confused with the Atlanta Falcon. Yeah. He was actually the reason he thought it was funny. We're in Georgia. My stepmom's a Falcons fan, and he's a Saints fan because we're from Louisiana, and she's from Georgia. So uh it's been like the family rivalry and it falcons saints i don't know if you're familiar with sports i'm not really a big sports guy but falcons and saints are like the biggest like they they hate each other or whatever big rivalry and of course a saints fan and a falcon fan got married so he he was hoping you were that guy so he could come in here and show you all his saints stuff and harass you (laughs) i'm not that cool unfortunately maybe one day yeah. Who knows? You got the fight with Antoine. That was cool. Yeah, that was. Oh, I mean, I don't know if I call it a fight. I try. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to uh, do. It. I held my own for about ten seconds. Yeah, my neck. I got a, a neck injury, so I I can't. Unfortunately, I can't spar anymore. But I really, I wish I could. <laughs> and it was it was actually funny because I I I got my getting fixed like right after that. Oh crap! So my coach hit me up and was like, uh, "You gonna come back, the sensei for the gym?" I was like, "You coming back? You gonna keep learning?" I was like, "I gotta let this heal first. Yeah. And then right after well. that, I was like, "Well, I think I'm moving, but now that I know we're gonna be here at least a year, um, I'm gonna I'm probably actually, go back there." I was there talking and start to so my sons system. are in uh, Tangsudo. Okay. Um, they also do they do the, this place does Tangsudo. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Krav Maga, mm-hmm. and my sons are taking uh, little ninja courses. They got private lessons, and I was talking to the instructor about getting back in. I was, I had started right before I got injured last year, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do any of that since. Uh, and I can't get back into full classes like I was because there's just too much contact. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, can't risk any kind of impact with my neck. Uh, pretty sensitive still. Uh, but I do want to still learn, you know, with the uh, self-defense and there's a lot of stuff I could still do. I just can't do all the flipping and jumping like I was before. Mm-hmm. If you see me constantly kind of like tweaking my neck back and forth, I'm trying to stay comfortable. I'm, I'm uncomfortable all day, every day now. No, I, which freaking I'm a sucks. Seven year veteran, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. I can I'm, imagine. Wait, I'm you're a veteran. Oh yeah, it's true. You, uh, it was, uh, what was it? Army versus Marines. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, uh, you and Antoine. Awesome. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those weird people about that. Like, yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. No, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> it was just a job. No, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My dad was. Uh, my I'll dad take was, it, but it's a like, mentality, man. My it's... dad was Air Force and then Army Reserves for a while. He fought in Desert Storm. Um, what does he what does he call himself? Uh, oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he was in the Air Force and he says, uh, I forget how he words it, but he basically says he was a pilot and, but not a pilot, like a plane. They would take a bulldozer full of sand and they would pile it over here. And then they'd take some sand and pile it over there. Um, But uh, he was air force. My stepdad was a Marine and, uh, you know, appreciate service for sure. I I thought about going into service for a while. Uh, Actually didn't because I'm allergic to poison ivy. And when I was younger, I was like extremely allergic. And I just thought for sure that was going to be a problem in boot camp or something. You know, you can't be crawling around the woods and covered and your eyes swollen shut. <laughs> so I just never got around to going. Uh, uh, isn't, I mean, it depends on where they say you. Like I was at Fort Sill when I did my basic training and all it is is desert. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd be fine there. Yeah. it's <sighs> not well i mean it's not like desert like you think of when you're thinking like california or like el paso arizona type stuff yeah. but it it's so dry that nothing grows out there except for like the hay that they use to feed the animals on post so wow yeah. it's 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 and to be fair i have a huge hay allergy so i wasn't comfortable either no kidding that's funny but uh yeah i mean you just push through it it is yeah deal with it that's the mentality yeah at least but um yeah man i i'm definitely looking forward to seeing where you progress i think you're going to do great things in the industry like uh, well obviously you already are man just the fact that you're taking the steps to innovate and do something different and just make it that much better with your time means the world um excited to see these in use and what people really think about them yes yeah, so obviously we've talked about it a little bit i i'm loving your setup man i i'm looking yeah. forward to bringing it in here so that's cool man i can't wait to get it to you oh, yeah. that the alpha ones showing up uh once we start getting these things in people's hands and they really get to enjoy and, and benefit from the system i think people aren't going to shut up about it people are already buzzing about it you know there is a buzz that's it kind of at this at a show i get a big buzz and then it kind of plateaus and then another show it buzzes again and plateaus whatever but once these people start getting them in their house i don't think we're gonna be able to shut people up about it 
I have enough product coming in to put these in, I think, about 40 different, basically 40 systems is what we ordered. Um, okay. And that's a that's a considerable amount as far as cost up front to make that happen. But I think the long game is that's 40 people that are going to be talking about this and saying, hey, he's not full of crap. It's just as awesome as it looks like it, it would be. You know, uh, and, you know, getting to touch it at the show is one thing. Getting to physically use it, put animals in it, and benefit from the system um, is totally different. And I think that's going to be the game changer. Getting people talking 100%. about it. I, I have some, you know, big YouTubers that I plan on putting these in their hands, and hopefully that benefits, you know, the conversation. But I think just the general public having them is going to change the trajectory of the business completely. Oh yeah. Um, that's the goal. Well, I think between that, like all, all the things, how much room you got over there for hatching? I I can make room. Yeah. (laughs) We'll figure that out. I'll empty out the closet if I have to. How many tubs you got there behind you? Let's see. Uh, so I have 40 here. I have 10 here. I have a 14, like directly behind me. Yeah. And then I have two 18 stacked, so a 32. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah. And essentially, I'm going to have to at least double the hatchling space. Hmm. So. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy, too. <laughs> All right. Hell, yeah. We'll be talking about that. Of course. Um, what you prefer? You guys, clear? make sure. Clear or uh, Either. It, it honestly doesn't matter to me nice. i i got that because that's what i could get at the time of course yeah uh but something being available it, the way the world is right now whatever's available if it's if it's available and you can afford it get it <laughs> right right guys make sure you get in on this while you can um i think the first rounds are going to do amazing if you don't make the first rounds get ready for the second round Get yep. it in. I will uh, be talking with Philip after this. So if you want your spot, make sure you get it. Yeah, before uh, John buys it all. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, I thank you for your time. Uh, we'll yeah, definitely, once once everything hits ground, definitely want to bring you on again at one point, see how it's yeah. progressing, see of course. what other changes you want to see made. Um, absolutely. Absolutely appreciate you. you guys, like I said, make sure you check them out. Pack Racks. And uh, eventually, I don't even know what you want to call it. I should have asked you that. When you have your arc, what are you going to call that? Oh, that's just going to be Pack Pythons. It's just going to be Pack Pythons again. Pack Pythons again. Yeah, that's going to be. um, I'm going to. That brand is still around. I still have Pythons, uh, but I'm just not using it publicly. Uh, And then in the future, it'll just it'll come back up. Hell yeah! Yeah. Well, get ready for both guys. Make sure you're following him. doing a lot of good things for the industry he's very vocal about how he feels and i think that's a good thing i think we need more of that in the industry um if you're just gonna fall in line or be afraid to speak your mind i think you're probably in the wrong industry because we're trying to take it to a better level hey i'm all about that you want pythons you want any sort of snakes i did my job that's what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. All right. Y'all have a great night. You have a yeah, great rest of the weekend. Yeah, we didn't even get there. Uh, 
Y'all have a great rest of the weekend. If you're traveling for a show this weekend, be safe. Um, if you're going to a show, make sure you yep. do the smart thing. Quarantine your shit. Can't say it enough. A lot of people don't do it, and uh, it'll come back to bite you in the ass. So make sure you do it. Yep. Uh, Y'all have a great night, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Peace.